DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is the author of many best-selling books on the theology and spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He holds the St. Ignatius Chair of Spiritual Formation at St. John Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. As we move forward in this exploration of the struggles in the spiritual life, we have come across someone we've heard about before, a character that you have in the book named Paul and who was an example of non-spiritual desolation. But here we are, months later, now he's experiencing something else. Mm -hmm. So this allows us to move into another form of spiritual desolation, which overlaps a bit with the earlier one, that darkness of soul that um, we saw in Julie. So we approach Paul again and did six months after that meeting with Father Reed. And things are going better now. He has slowed down the pace of the studies for the masters. And he writes, the masters will take longer, but I have recovered my love for teaching and matters in the family are going better. It's been good also to look forward to prayer again, rather than just getting through it because I was so tired. Then we learn in subsequent journal entries that Paul has begun to listen as an audiobook to St. Francis de Sales' Introduction to the Devout Life. And as he's reading this, he's really stirred by this, and he begins to understand in a completely new way that he's really called to holiness, and holiness is really possible in the lay vocation. So there's great energy there. And then a month later in his journal, he has now started going to confession regularly, and he really likes what's happening the peace that he feels he calls a unique kind of peace after confession. All right, five weeks later, I'm not sure what's happening, but the peace I felt in my relationship with God is less now. It bothers me. I wonder what's going on. So we we have the first intimation in his journal that something a little heavier has arisen here. Three weeks later, it's hard to settle down to pray. I'm troubled and restless when I try. I look at my watch waiting for the time to end. Why? Am I trying too hard again? No, not as before when I was pushing the studies. Maybe introduction to the devout life isn't the best book for me. Maybe I'm not approaching confession right. And by omitting things I should mention in confession, all I know is that I don't have the peace I used to have. So again, for any one of us, when we find these times arising, being aware of what's going on, able to name it. If Paul can identify this as just another form of the enemy's discouraging lies, you know, the spiritual desolation, and then use the steps which we're beginning to outline with Ignatius to reject it, he's going to go on solidly in the spiritual life. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't know what's going on and just remains, his peace is gone, there's a trouble, questions are flitting through his head, then he could pull back from the growth that's going on here. Two weeks later, I haven't stopped praying, so that's perfect. That's in time of desolation, never make a change. And you know, even the fact that Paul is journaling is a good sign too. That's awareness. 
you can see he's able to describe what's going on. We don't have a sense that he understands it yet, but he's very aware of what's going on, and the writing is probably helping him with that. I haven't stopped praying, but I still have that sense of restlessness and turmoil. I keep asking myself what's wrong, and I don't find answers. Do I need to try harder? Or am I trying too hard and need to try less? Is this trouble a sign that I am regressing spiritually? I certainly had more peace before. I don't know what to think, and I'm starting to get discouraged. So what Paul is experiencing here, and we've all been there at times, is what Ignatius calls a disturbance of soul. This is when into the joy and the peace and the sense of God's love that we have experienced in the spiritual life, the enemy brings a movement of trouble, just trying to upset the person. Now note how the enemy tries to work here. You know, before I go further, one important thing to say, I said earlier that there are three actors in the spiritual life. There's the individual, the good spirit, and the enemy. The good spirit and the enemy are both real, but they are not equal. The enemy is certainly of a higher order than we, but still no more than a fallen creature. The good spirit is the infinite, omnipotent, eternal, personally, endlessly loving and close God, the Savior who loves us. So these are not equal parts, and that's why we live this all of this teaching with a, with a great sense of hope, because of the power and the love of the good spirit, compared to which, as Ignatius will say later, the enemy is very weak. The enemy is not weak compared to us, but compared to Christ and the power of his grace within us, the enemy is weak. So now, as, as Paul is progressing, the enemy tries to trouble, bring this disturbance into his heart in the hope of getting him to pull back. Now, note the tactic of the enemy here, that the enemy doesn't begin by trying to urge Paul to obvious sin. It's the last thing Paul wants at a time when his life is growing spiritually so beautifully and he's experiencing such joy and growth in it. So the enemy doesn't start there, but the enemy starts by just trying to bring some trouble of heart, disturbing, just diminish the peace, so that if we're not aware of what's going on, we might get discouraged and pull back. But if we're able to put into practice what Ignatius here is teaching us, as I've said before, not only will Paul not be harmed, but his fidelity to prayer as he goes through this, his attention to what's going on, you'd really like to see him speak to someone like Julie has her Emily or John has his father Reed and so forth, which would also be encouraging as he's going through this. So what should Paul do? First thing is what he should not do. He should not make changes in the time of his desolation. What he should do positively to resist and reject the desolation is, first of all, prayer. And this is prayer of petition. Just very simply, turn to the Father to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, to the Blessed Trinity, to Mary, to his angel, to any saints to whom he feels close, and ask for God's grace or of these others, their intercession with the Lord for strength. It can be as simple as, Jesus, help me. I'm confused. I don't find the same peace that I had before. Show me the way forward in this. Mary, I need you as a mother right now. My angels, stand by me. Holy Spirit, enlighten me or any particular saint to whom he may feel close at this point. And let's not bypass that too quickly. You almost think that that's so obvious that it doesn't need saying. 
does Paul think to do that? Do we think to do that, you know, when we're disturbed and troubled like this? This is the first and the most powerful means, is prayer. And it's as simple as asking, and we have a promise. Ask and you will receive. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. And I'll just say out of long experience now, I found that that prayer of petition is very, very helpful when we're struggling with this kind of disturbance, these discouraging lies of the enemy. And then some form of meditation that is just thinking about, let's say, verses of Scripture, which could be helpful to Paul. So like many of us, maybe he loves Psalm 23, and he just lets these words play in his mind or even says them out loud. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Though I walk in a dark valley, I fear no evil. You are with me with your rod and your staff. Uh, Philippians 4, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom should I fear? Personally, I will very often use this verse from Mark chapter 10, when this young man comes before the Lord, and we read there, Jesus, looking upon him, loved him. And I may just let that play in my heart, you know, in the struggle against spiritual desolation. Just call to mind and think about truths of faith that can sustain us. God's loving providence. God is permitting this as a trial. This is within his loving providence in Paul's spiritual life. Because if Paul goes through it well, he's going to grow in ways that normally only come through the struggle with spiritual desolation. Mary's maternal tenderness. God's power. Jesus' saving grace. And then maybe also just call to mind past struggles with spiritual desolation. And in retrospect, we see not only how God got us through them, but how we actually grew as we went through those times. So just to be thinking like this, Ignatius calls that meditation can be very helpful. Examine what's going on. Take a look at it. What am I feeling? If Paul can get to the point where he can just say, okay, I'm experiencing spiritual desolation, that's the beginning of liberation for him. Because now it's not just this cloud of disturbance, but it's got a name, it's identified, and you can take steps, the kinds of steps that we're describing now. If Paul can also see how it began, that could be helpful. We may not always be able to see that, but if Paul can say, you know what, I was actually pretty happy and at peace until two days ago that happened. It's hard to deal with an overwhelming sense of disturbance and trouble, but you can deal with something that happened maybe in an exchange with somebody a few days earlier, and you can make good decisions about that. And then one more thing Ignatius counsels us. If we're not discerning, if we're not aware of what's going on and can't name it for the discouraging lie of the enemy that it is and reject it, the undiscerning response to this kind of desolation is very often just flight into some kind of gratification, what Blaise Pascal called diversion. Well, that's when we head to the refrigerator again, or go online again, or spend an hour looking through the feed on social media, or go on Netflix, or engage in empty conversation, and so forth. And of course, we know those things don't work. And I want to speak with great reverence here, because I'm not standing on any pedestal. I don't think anyone listening is standing on any pedestal here. We're all brothers and sisters in this. But we do know that that doesn't work. What does work, Ignatius says, is suitable gestures of penitential courage. And it doesn't matter how small. 
you know, uh, there's that phone call that I should have answered a week ago. Let me do it now. Sometimes exercise will break the power of spiritual desolation. Um, that item that that person's been waiting for from me, let me get out of my room and get it to that person. What, whatever, doesn't smile at the last person you feel like smiling at, perform a small service for someone. All of these are ways of standing our ground in the face of the spiritual desolation. And when you take one step with the Spirit, the Spirit will open up the next and the next. So these are the kinds of things that Paul needs to do in this case. If he were to speak with Father Reed, Father Reed would probably be sharing you know, these kinds of things. Paul, it's wonderful that you didn't stop praying. That's perfect. Keep that up. And your journaling is great because it helps you get in touch with your experience, and that's why you can share it now so clearly. And then these various things, prayer petition, this kind of meditation, examining it, taking a look at it, suitable penance, and so forth. And then you're on your way. If this is what desolation could become, just getting darker and deeper and going on and on and on, if Paul responds this way, he'll still struggle, but it won't be as long and it won't be as dark. And then he's on his way toward continually growing against the spiritual desolation. So this is a further experience of spiritual desolation that we may encounter. Nothing to be afraid of, no shame, no surprise. Be aware, understand, use the tools. We'll return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. And begin again. That's, I think, the, the real wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri because he would counsel that over and over again. Just keep going, begin again, pick yourself up, and as you've always said, no shame. No shame. 
Yeah, his, in his own words, which he wrote in a spiritual program for himself, if I should fall a thousand times a day, a thousand times a day, I will begin again. You know, I fell into impatience again. I promised myself I wouldn't do that with this family member or fellow worker. Or I missed an opportunity to help a person because I just didn't want to put myself out or I frittered away time or whatever it might be. Okay, nothing's ever stopping us right now from turning to the Lord if we need it, asking for a forgiveness that he loves to give. And then just beginning again. What's that saying of the Texas Rangers? You can't stop a man who just keeps on a coming. You You can't stop or hinder progress in the spiritual life when we simply continue to begin again. So just to bring those points forward again that can be found in the book, Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, you say in Paul's particular instance to pursue either prayer or petition, again, meditation, reflecting on the scriptures, examination, and as we say, suitable penance. But it has to be suitable, correct? Yes, I would say that, you know, if the pull is, for example, to go online again in a way that we know in these circumstances might not be good, then maybe the suitable penance is to say, I'm not going to pick up the phone in the next 15 minutes or the next 10 minutes if that's the best we can do. Because God can do a lot in 15 minutes or 10 minutes or two minutes. So yes, if the penance is suitable, what we really want is something that may take a little effort, not an enormous effort, and God will always give that grace to us to take that first small step but it is going counter to, contrary to what the desolation wants. The desolation wants us to isolate, to gratify, to um, seek some kind of diversion. And what Ignatius is counseling us to do is do the opposite. You know, this brings to mind a conversation that I had with a a wonderful Catholic uh, psychiatrist, very good Catholic and professionally very competent and where she was speaking on the non-spiritual level. And she said, sometimes when we're depressed, we need to do exactly the opposite of what the depression wants us to do. If the desolation wants you to isolate, get out of your room. If the desolation wants you to go to the refrigerator for the fourth time in a way that isn't good, get some exercise, you know. That's always stayed in my mind because I find it's really true. You feel like I'm so worn, I'm so exhausted, I can't. And you do just the opposite of what the desolation wants you to do. And you find out that you can and things get better. So it's that kind of dynamic on the spiritual level. Ah, you're sounding like St. Teresa of Avila. Uh, And so many of those great mystical writers, those who knew prayer, uh, St. Francis de Sales, they all counseled essentially that same truth to go against that and don't let it beat you down. And I think that's, you know, we're very blessed to have their wisdom, don't we? Absolutely. Of course, that's a theme, you know, that runs through Scripture and the spiritual life in general, as you've said. And maybe the only thing I'll add to it is that we should never be ashamed of even the smallest steps in this direction. If your room is untidy and it's like a cyclone went through it and you don't know where to start, Every day, pick up one piece of paper and put it where it belongs. And before you know it, things are going to start to be different. 
Sometimes just to share a simple way that I've done this, I live in Colorado and it's dry here. And so we all have water bottles with us. And sometimes when I know that I'm experiencing spiritual desolation and I could flee, you know, from it in ways that aren't the right response to it, what I'll do is I'll, I'll get my water bottle and uh, get out of my room and walk down to the common area where the water dispensary is and refill it. Maybe it's already half full. It doesn't really need it. But I do that because I know that I'll meet somebody. We'll probably talk a little bit. And I'm getting out of that space, you know, that sort of wounded animal dynamic of spiritual desolation where we want to just pull away alone, isolate, and avoid it. You know, generally today that'll be earbuds and screens uh, very often. And it's doing exactly the opposite. Now, would I call that penance? I don't know, and I'm not really worried about whatever you call it. I do know that it follows that dynamic that Ignatius has in mind. Go against what the desolation wants you to do, and you begin to, to break its power. And sometimes we'll find out desolation presents itself as overwhelming, you know, and we're very small and weak compared to it. You find out it's a lot, lot weaker than it wants us to believe, especially as we've said, compared to the power of Christ in us. Hallelujah. Amen to that. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. You've been listening to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it in the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view the video of this presentation by visiting the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher.